You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 36 of Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen Podcast. I'm your host, Solus, and today's episode is called Luminalia. Um, we are about to get into the next event, actually the last event of 2023 or 2953. Um, and so I wanted to dedicate this episode to that in-game lore and out-of-game experience for the community. Um, it's Saturday morning. This is December 9th, so we're a little bit late to this episode, and we're going to be really early for next week's episode. Uh, But again, I fully predict that Luminalia will be out this next week, um, as well as Patch 322. So let that be my little prediction going into this episode. Well, hey, everybody, I hope this uh, I hope this finds each of you well. This last week, uh, I was quite detached from the Star Citizen game and social media efforts uh, as I was in Seattle, Washington for work. And no, this is not a podcast about my experience at Amazon, uh, but it was post Black Friday, post Cyber Monday, kind of an after action review summit, if you will, but it was also um, kind of wrapping up 2023, getting into 2024, and I was extremely busy. Uh, I'm launching a tool or in charge of a team that is launching a tool that's going to change the face of Amazon business. Uh, that's the last thing I'll say about it. It's it's exciting for me professionally, but um, it's a hands-off-the-wheel approach to accrual management. So let that just, you know, whatever, sink in if you're part of that world. Uh, <laughs> but I'm super excited to get it going. And so I have been playing quite the catch-up. Um, I've been going on to Twitter and or X and trying to read my peers' uh, posts and their thoughts and opinions on everything. Um, obviously, going into Robert Space Industries and catching up on the Com Link and catching up on Spectrum. And there's quite a lot to cover this week. So let's get into this episode and what to expect from the agenda after a quick note from our sponsors. And if you weren't selected to hear from the responsors, again, awkward pause, whatever, let's keep going. (laughs) So on this episode, we're going to be discussing this week in Star Citizen. We're going to be going into the subscriber flare that dropped, the RSI Arashtra Q&A, the latest update to patch 322 or the PTU patch 322 and what to expect from a quality of life perspective, what to expect from uh, tech updates and play uh, loops, specifically salvaging, which ties beautifully into this week's Inside Star Citizen, which we will go ahead and watch. It's only a 12 minute episode, but again, we're going to be diving into the lore of Luminalia and we're going to be referencing last year's as kind of a platform to predict what will happen this week when Luminalia uh, drops or whenever it launches for everybody to experience. So 
without further ado, uh, let's get into our first segment. Incoming message. I feel like that's loud. I need to go back and adjust the volume. Well, anyways, so last week's episode, episode 35 with Galactica, it was amazing. It is now our fourth most listened to episode in just a week. It's only been around for a week and it's number four. So it's a it was amazing conversation. She gives a lot of insights to her role, what she does, what is expected of her from CIG. Uh, and she's just a genuine, awesome, authentic person. It was a great, great conversation. Um, part of that dialogue was the game of the year prediction, which, spoiler alert, we predicted it correctly. So go back and listen to it, or just, well, I guess I announce it right now. <laughs> but at the end of the episode, of course, I dropped Q&A and polls, uh, and the question I asked the community was, who is winning 2023's game of the year? Both Galactica and myself predicted Baldur's Gate 3, and sure enough, congratulations to Baldur's Gate 3 winning the game of the year this, this past week. So, super exciting, uh, but I did put up Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Brothers, Resident Evil 4, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. 50% voted Baldur's Gate 3, so half of you got it. Congratulations. <laughs> a third voted Legend of Zelda, uh, and then 16.7% voted Alan Wake 2. And I'll be honest, I actually have never played, never picked up Alan Wake at all. I've heard great things, uh, but these other games I did play, and they are worthy of of being you know on this list. But, but Baldur's Gate 3, I think stands on its own i mean it there was just no competition in my mind or galaxia's mind uh that it was going to win this year's game of the year uh it is it is incredible even for those of you who aren't into the turn-based combat system it, it was just a masterfully done story graphics gameplay customization etc so Awesome. Let's get into this week in Star Citizen. I'm going to share my screen for the tubes uh, and get into kind of the topics that we will be discussing. So, uh, Shockbreaker, man, I tell you what. Uh, so, there is a, uh, a, a community organizer or content creator, goes by Shockbreaker. He always produces amazing, amazing photographs, screenshots of the game. So, like, this is a really, really awesome one that features and highlights the new hair that is going to be amazing the hair um the beards the unique inclusive diversive whatever you want to call it um the customization that we will have in 322 this next week is going to change the game especially for those who content create and role play it's going to be awesome so let's get into it i'm not pronouncing that word <laughs> um Shea Sulin, I don't know, whatever. Hi everyone. As the sun sets on yet another exhilarating intergalactic aerospace expo, we'd like to thank everyone who came from every corner of the galaxy to experience this year's event. Fly safe, whatever your destination may be, and we'll see you in 2954. You can relive all the excitement with a copy of your very own official IAE event program. Experiencing post IAE blues, you can take comfort in knowing that Alpha 322 launched to the PTU for Wave 1 players. Break. As of right now, it's available to everybody, all backers. And will open to more audiences soon. Additionally, we will kick off the celebrations with Luminalia next week. 
boom, there you go. And we will have some fantastic stuff planned for you for this year's holiday season. Last week, you dove into two of our major events, Jump Town and the infamous Hidden Drug, or the infamous Hidden Drug Lab, and the bloody conflict that rages there, and Siege of Orison, an action-heavy adventure that has turned the once idyllic city of Orison into a nightmare. Siege of Orison continues through December 7th, at 1600 UTC, and you could expect a return of Jump Town in the near future. Join the fun. Break. Unfortunately, this past week I was in Seattle, so I did not get to participate in Siege of Orison, but our community members over at Soul Provision did. Um, we had some amazing dialogue back and forth in our Discord, uh, so I feel like I lived vicariously through them, uh, trying to get a night <laughs> organized. Uh, but again, like, one of the things I'm struggling with, and this isn't new, it's not new with Star Citizen, it's not new with really any other game. It's been around, you know, in, in every game you create a community for, the global aspect. It is so difficult to plan community events when your community is spread out throughout the entire globe. And yes, the idea here is you have like officers that run like the different time zones. So uh, you can still be part of the community, but have different initiatives. Yes, that's all that's all great. It doesn't change the fact that it's difficult to get it organized. So man, we got to figure this one out. <laughs> I think every organization has to figure it out for their own uh, in order to be successful and to have fun. But challenge accepted. It's not our first rodeo. Uh, it's going to be awesome since we are a global organization. Back to the article. Also published last week, you can now experience the full day one of CitizenCon 2953 as it was broadcasted from the LA Convention Center in a five-hour, 30-long video. This includes the presentations and all the goodies in between. Day two will be published on Friday, and it did. So both day one and day two are live on YouTube uh, to go watch with all things citizen kind. So the dialogues, not just the presentations, but the dialogues in between, uh, Jared Huckabee acting a fool, which we all love him for, uh, etc. Back to the article. The filthiest race in the versus back, the action-packed Damar rally returns, and you can sign up now. If you have ever participated in this fully community-organized event, you won't want to miss it. Whether you're wheels on the ground or just enjoying from Twitch chat, don't miss it. And lastly, we had a blast at two bar citizen events over the weekend, thanks to everyone who attended the event organized by Flash Smash or Flush Smash in Dublin, Ireland, and the Virtual Bar Citizen put on by the great folks at Soul Citizens. Shout out, Soul Citizens. Love you guys. That's a wrap for the Bar Citizen World Tour for 2023, but as a reminder, we're looking to hear from you on where we should visit in 2024. Break. Yes, look at your calendars for 2024. You're going to obviously prioritize CitizenCon. That's I don't know where it's going to be. I predict outside of America or outside of the United States. Um, and it's probably going to be with the launch of Squadron 42. So it's going to be a huge one. Yes. But try to make your local bar citizens. Uh, this is episode 36. So probably 35 episodes worth of me telling you to do this. Go to your bar citizen, socialize, network, and get that community, that local community set up because Star Citizen is better with friends.
All right, let's see what's going on this week. We're going to go through just the agenda um, or just the timeline. So Monday was this week in Star Citizen. Tuesday, the subscriber newsletter and updates did come out, which that's a whole nother conversation. Um, they've upgraded the Imperador subscriber level uh, perks. So we'll cover that as well. Thursday, Inside Star Citizen, which discussed structural salvage, obviously the RSI, Arastra Q&A, and then Friday, the Patch Watch weekly newsletter, which we will cover uh, the patch at the very end. So there you have it, a very, very, very busy week, and it's that transition from IAE 2953 to Luminalia 2953. Hopefully you've had the chance to listen to episode 35 with Galactica, so you've had a lot of content this past week to get into. So here we go. Time for the subscriber flare. Yeah, so I'm sharing my screen on YouTube. <laughs> um, it, it sh it's not my thing. So the subscriber flare for for this uh, for this month, for December, um, they're, they're pots, they're planted, planted pots, potted plants, there you go. They're potted plants, um, cool. Yeah, they're great for a hanger. They're great for decoration. They have like a maybe like a Japanese culture uh, flair. It's got the uh, like the facial expressions on uh, on the sides. Like I, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be fun to have to place anywhere in your hanger. But it's one of those you look at it once. You're like, okay, that's great. And you move on. Um, personal opinion. I'm going to give this like a six out of ten. Nobody asks. Nobody cares. But my reaction uh, based on a score is is, is roughly that. Um, I haven't been able to be like I haven't been in game for all the reasons, all the aforementioned reasons up to this point in the podcast. I haven't been in game since last week, uh, two weeks ago. So I haven't seen how big these are. But if I'm looking at this one picture you're seeing on my screen, uh, they they don't look that big either. I mean, they look like an actual potted plant that's going to rest on a table or something. So, I don't know, mixed emotions. It's not always going to be this, you know, in-game FPS item like a like a rifle or a pistol or a, a paint for your ship. Like it's not always going to be that big. There's 12 months out of the year. Um, you're going to have to have some ups and downs. This is an okay down in my opinion. So here we go. Welcome to December. Head to the new subscriber homepage for information on all the updated perks, which we will get into, uh, which includes new merchandise discounts, coupon rewards, and in addition, vehicle month for Imperator subscribers. I'm going to go and click on that so we can talk on it next. For a limited time, there will also be a three-month access pass subscription available. Break really quick. Since we're on the topic, if you are considering becoming a subscriber, which either the Centurion or the Imperador, um, I would wait until Luminalia because I got my annual pass in Luminalia because it's on discount. So right now they're discounted, or at least at least during Luminalia, they're discounted um, at a heavy rate for all 12 months, and you still get the same you know coupon. So you're saving a lot of money if you wait until this month to subscribe. Another thing, if you already are on another subscription plan, it is totally worth you canceling it now and renewing it. So whenever this comes live, right? Think about the logistics there. Make sure you're not missing out on something when you cancel it, like do your homework. But this is what I did last year. I had this like monthly plan going. Um, and then right before um, the event ended, the Luminali event ended, I canceled took the annual pass and got all the benefits of doing so. 
consider doing it. I would highly recommend it. All right, back to the article. For this month's flair, we're rounding out 2023 with an adorable decor that will elevate even the dowdiest of Habs. Away from the safety of home, RSI's hard-hitting Scorpius Heavy Fighter is December's vehicle of the month. Imperator subscribers can see out the next... Man, this is hard. Imperator subscribers can see out the year in both the base version and its electronic warfare variant, the Antares. Thank you for your continued support. We'll see you in 2024. I forgot about the Antares. Uh, Antares and Taurus, I forgot about it. And I forgot how much drama it uh, it sparked when it first came out. Um, I just quickly, in a nutshell, the drama for me anyways, was this was already an overpowered heavy fighter i'm um, the score there's not a lot better than the scorpius you could argue the hurricane maybe a better two-seater uh, but as far as a two-seater heavy fighter the scorpius is one of my personal favorites extremely overpowered now you throw on like a quantum dampener i think um but it has the ability to free ships in place. It has the ability to uh, to like turn off their electro uh, fields. Like it having one of these and a base Scorpius. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really no competition out there um, in the game. So it started this like massive debate. Now I haven't touched it since it first came out. So there might have been some overhauls. Hopefully there were uh, to make it a little bit more palpable in in the you know in the verse um but we'll see uh we'll, we'll see what comes out of the the meta build content creators whenever they say this is the only way to play <laughs> back to the article in game rewards here we go so the secure sun happy planter i mean centurion it's the orange base with like an orangish greenish flower uh looks like they're smiling awesome the secure sun cheeky planter this one's purple with like purple um blades or or flowers not flowers blades um and it has like a little like and i guess also smiling but i i actually do like the next one the store one the secure sun surprised planter uh the face actually does crack me up um it looks like again it looks like it's surpriser just got punched in the gut uh i actually like it it's blue and dark purple and the plant in it is actually really pretty so there you go. Um, all three put together if you're watching me on YouTube. And then here is the picture of the vehicle of the month, which is the Scorpius. Again, it's the X-Wing. Uh, I don't know if there's like an infraction here talking about another game through a game, but uh, uh, wow, Star Wars. Good Lord. Star Wars' X-Wing fighter is Star Citizen's Scorpius. So there you go. Fun stuff. Then it gets into subscriber merchandise discounts. Um, again, I never really pay attention to this, but being demonstrated here is, or being demoed here, uh, is your bobblehead is a nice beanie. Actually, that's seasonally appropriate. I might actually look into that. Uh, but the Star Citizen beanie, uh, which is like a slate color. This is the Banu sweater, um, hoodie sweater. Uh, I actually might look into this too. It's it's really awesome. It's got Banu and Xi'an language on, on the sleeves. But again, seasonally appropriate. I love it. Might actually look into that. Um, an iPod, AirPod, sorry, an AirPod uh, carrying case with one of the um, uh, Space Whales, Urwals. Anyways, moving on. I don't know. <laughs> Keychains. Uh, and then your Drake Interplanetary interplanetary button up i need to slow down here Alrighty, so there you go 
And also, don't forget, um, and I want to encourage everybody to do this as well. The subscriber score, uh, see, this is what I'm talking about. The subscriber store has every single subscriber item uh, that's been launched. So if you missed your opportunity to go and pick up, you know, that one item or the backpack like that for me, I had to get all three backpacks. Uh, now's the time to go and get it. I think the marshmallow um, old school like NASA spacesuits are a must have. The backpacks are a must have. Uh, and they're really, really not that expensive. So again, as like a recap, I, I don't know. Um, Again, six out of 10, I think it's an okay month. There's been worse months, but I'm also extremely okay with this because Luminalia has 12 days worth of FPS items, or at least last year it did. So I can look past the potted plants. Um, I'm looking forward to what is coming in the next couple of weeks. So I told you we would talk about the, um, the perks. So let's get into the actual page that shows the left and right uh, comparison of the Centurion and the Imperator. Long story short, the Centurion is $10 a month and the Imperator is $20 a month. And for the most part, that really just means you're getting twice as much, right? So vehicle of the month, Centurion only gets the one, Imperator gets two. For flare, Centurion gets one, Imperator gets two. See where this is going? Right, so I'm sharing my screen. I I encourage you to go into um, the the comparison chart yourself. It's robertspaceindustries.com forward slash pledge forward slash subscriptions. But the one thing that I do want to call out is the Imperador test flight. And this is something that I just, I, I never connected until here recently, like maybe in the last month, but the Imperador test flight, again, it's only for Imperador, um, but quote, try out every new ship and ground vehicle for, for a full week upon release. I did not know that. I kept questioning why in the world am I getting these ships added to my hangar? They weren't part of the monthly subscribership, right? They weren't the, you know, the two, the two free fly ships. And of course, I couldn't see it in the patch notes. It wasn't until a friend of mine pointed me in the direction and said, oh, you have access to every single test uh, ship or every ship that gets released in game. That alone, in my opinion, that alone is worth the $20 Imperator subscription. It truly is, because that, that tells you whether or not you wanna spend the money and fly it, right? So when the storm comes out, or when it came out, when the storm came out, yeah, I, could, I, I can drive it. There was nothing I had to do. I, hadn't like, I, I didn't have to rent it first or maybe spend the money in the pledge store and drive it and realize I don't like it and realize I've wasted the money or I melted it to get more money in the, in the store. Um, this is a way to, to test it, to see if you want to spend the money. I love this concept and that is why this is worth every penny in my opinion. That 20 bucks a month saves potentially hundreds of dollars on wasted vehicles. So there you go. Subscribers are the subscription perks for December out of the way. Let's quickly go through the Q&A for the RSI Arastra. So I wanna share sentiment from my community. Uh, this is both like Discord, Soul Provision, and um, a little bit on X or Twitter, formerly Twitter. 
But there's this grand confusion on, first off, why are we getting a fourth mining vehicle when we only have two salvaging vehicles? So there's that, you know, initial question. But the second one was, this one basically does the same thing as the mole and kind of the same thing as the Orion. When that comes out, it just holds less than the Orion and obviously more than the mole. Why? Why would you get the Arastra? Why not just spend the extra, it's a couple hundred dollars and get the org level Orion? And so this was an important Q&A to come out. I don't think it, I don't think it really answers, in my opinion, it doesn't answer why you'd want this and not the Orion or the mole, but it does explain where it, like where in the conversation, where in the mining strategy are you flying in Arastra? So let's, let's go, let's go into the article. Um, and then again, quickly, it's the uh, Q&A and we'll get into the patch 322 notes. Inside Star Citizen will watch the salvaging um, video and then end on Luminalia. So to the article. Tackle the biggest jobs in the furthest reaches of the galaxy with RSI's flagship deep space mining rig. Large-scale operations that would traditionally require a vast multi-ship fleet, managing troublesome freelancers, and dealing with government intervention can now be easily handled by a small crew and one ship, providing the crew is skilled and the ship is an arastra. After the concept reveal at this year's Intergalactic Aerospace Expo, we polled the community for their burning questions about the Arastra. Here are the answers directly from the vehicle team. And again, some of these questions are phenomenal. So let's go. How do the Arastra's refining capabilities compare to ships like the Expanse, Orion, and Galaxy? The Arastra has two reactors that allow it to run two separate orders concurrently. These reactors are much larger than the six found on the Expanse, allowing each order to contain a much higher quantity of goods. While the numbers for player-controlled refining are still being worked out and we don't want to give specifics, expect each reactor to be able to refine around the same amount an Expanse can in one go. Compared to the galaxy's refining module, these reactors are about the same capacity, naturally. Compared to the Orions, they are significantly smaller. So like I didn't even consider the galaxy. <laughs> I forgot that there is a mining module for the galaxy, so how many more mining vehicles do we need? Alright, back to the article. Is the Arastra able to refine quantanium? If so, it is able to is it able to create its own fuel and use it? It can refine quantanium as a resource, but has no way to feed it back into its fuel tanks. So quantanium is purely generated as a commodity to sell. It's an important distinction. Question, how do the Arastra's mining capabilities compare to ships like the Prospector Mole and Orion? It sits between the Mole and the Orion, with larger lasers capable of cracking harder rocks at greater distances than the Mole. Okay, so that was a pretty low-hanging fruit softball question. <laughs> uh, it does sit between the Mole and the Orion. Um, and then I guess the other thing I would say, oh, I did the math. Um... Like the mole is like a two or three person vehicle, whereas the Arastra is like a three to five and the Orion's a five to seven. So I have a hard time calling any ship an org ship 
if it's not like the Idris or the Javelin, the Kraken, like one of these that takes 50, 60 people to run, I have a hard time calling those orgs. So what I've been calling them is solo team, like two people, solo team, and then like squad platoon. We don't really have any platoon ships, <laughs> but I think like up to a squad. So I would put this in a squad. Honestly, the Orion would probably be a squad vehicle because I, I do think it's like seven people to operate, though you could put a platoon in the Orion. So that to me like is is my breakdown. Coming from the military, it's it, it's how I talk and it's how I think. So I look at ships in those breakdowns, a soloable ship, a team ship, squad ship, platoon ship. Uh, all right, let's go. Are the mining lasers on the Arastra bespoke? What are the benefits of a size 3 mining laser? Answer. They are not bespoke and will have upgrade paths like other mining lasers in the game. Sizing wise, they simply provide greater range and energy output by default. Question. Will it be possible to take material from one ore bags or from ore bags onto this ship to refine it such as the ones on the prospector? This one is a good one. The answer is yes. The Arastra has two ports on it capable of taking ore bags from a prospector or mole and refining them. So that is a game loop if you think about it. Imagine having a mining operation where you have your Arastra like kind of centralized in the midst of a crap load of asteroids and you get your prospectors and moles out there just mining and bringing you their bags to refine in the Arastra. This is where I start seeing the actual use of the Arastra because you're not going to throw a damn Orion in the middle of an asteroid belt. Um, squeezing that huge ship in the middle of the asteroid belt would be annoying for, for the pilot. Uh, but I would almost take the Orion and move it on the outskirts. But inside of the asteroid belt, I would throw an Arastra to be able to do this as like a central node. Very interesting. Question, are any of the mining lasers able to be controlled by the pilot? Answer, no, they are all controlled via other dedicated stations. So basically the question is, is this solable? Well, kind of. It's solable just like the mole. You'd be able to get to the location, but you're going to have to get up, go to the actual seat that controls the lasers, and then conduct mission. So like I'm currently doing that right now. Um, I solo, this is for salvaging, but I solo the Reclaimer. And so as long as you get to your ship that you're, you're salvaging, as long as you get there and position it just right, then you don't have to keep on jumping in the pilot seat and moving it, right? You can easily just go straight uh, to the, the seat. I, I use the back left seat. Uh, but I go to the back left and I'm able to salvage. Obviously, you have to get up and go all the way to back uh, to take out the filler station. But um, you don't have to keep moving the ship. So it'll be interesting to see what soloing in Arastra would feel like. And so when this comes out, I'm going to try it and we're going to find out and I will share it with you. <laughs> Back to the article. Does this ship have a VTOL mode for planetary mining? Answer yes. There are dedicated VTOLs built into the ship to allow it to hover above the surface of planets. Let's keep going. Does the ship have a dedicated vehicle bay or is the internal 64 SCU cargo bay used for this purpose? What's the largest vehicle that will be able to fit? 
Answer, the vehicle bay is in the center of the cargo area, however, the two coexist with cargo grids being available at the edges of the room. The central space is designed to hold two Rock DSs or two Ursa rover-sized vehicles. Question. Does the external ore storage use standard SCU containers, unrefined ore bags, or something new? Answer: They use standardized SCU containers to allow for a huge amount of interoperability with other vehicles in the universe. For example, when offloading and transporting cargo. Question, which seats can control the missiles on the Arastra? The pilot seat has control over the missiles. Perfect. Like, I actually love that idea. I don't want a co-pilot, um, like, wasting a seat and wasting a headcount. I don't want a co-pilot controlling the missiles if I have everybody uh, all hands on deck mining ore, right? So to me, that is a perfect use of the pilot because they're going to mainly be station. Uh, they're going to mainly be stationary. So being able to control uh, the missiles is going to be perfect for that uh, for that pilot. I think we got two more questions. Are there any other entry points to the Arastras uh, aside from the rear ramp? Answer is yes. There is a large docking collar on the side of the ship as well as a central crew elevator that goes to the ground. Last question. What amenities? This is one of my favorite questions because I love RPing and existing on ships. <laughs> what amenities are aboard the Arastra? Crew quarters, storage, weapon armor, racks, medical, etc. Question. The answer, the Arastra has a shared bunk area for the crew and a separate shared habitation area for them to relax and prepare food. There are no dedicated medical rooms aboard. There are integrated weapon and suit storage facilities, but no dedicated armory. And that is the end of the Q&A section. And I think this ties beautifully into patch 322 uh, and the changes to salvaging. So here we go. I had undervalued salvaging in this game um, more than I would like to admit. I, I hadn't even tested it or tried it um, until a couple of weeks ago, whenever the best in show uh, Vulture came out, right? So I obviously I read about it, I knew how it worked, I was able to talk to it, um, but actually getting in and living that loop, hadn't done it, hadn't done it for several weeks. So shame on me, right? But full transparency. These smaller game loops have made this game so much significantly better. I had just been FPSing mercenary missions. Uh, I was dog finding bounty hunting missions. And to me, that, that had the potential of getting old. I could switch and it was fun to go from dog fighting to then landing and going on, you know, to a bunker, an underground facility. Like that was, that was fun. Uh, but it did. I ended up kind of getting uh, a little burnt out on those two loops. But they were the most established, right? Like they're the most... Um, put together loops in this current moment in the game but when i got into my vulture for the first time and basically taught myself uh what it meant to salvage like flying to your ship which you have to pay money to go to that's different it's backwards but you pay money and they pull security for you while you start your salvaging but when you get to your ship that whole loop 
like opened up this game so much more for me. If you haven't tried mining and if you haven't tried salvaging, are you even playing Star Citizen? Yes, you can dogfight, but you can dogfight in other games. Yes, you can go and play mercenary missions and run to a bunker and basically have Call of Duty, but there's other games that do it better. But putting it all under one roof is like Star Citizen. I get it. I get it. But throw in mining and salvaging, like these are the loops that are truly making Star Citizen what it is, in my humble opinion. So when I read about the Arastra, when it first comes out, I'm like, ah, wasted ship. I'm not going to get into it. But the more I read about it and the more I can get three people together very easily, the more attractive this loop becomes. I can see this being a three hour game loop. It's not going to be one hour. Sure as hell, it's not going to be 30 minutes. <laughs> this is going to be a long game loop. But I can see this taking place of like a three-hour raid in World of Warcraft. Instead, it's a three-hour, you know, you get onto a Rastra from an orbital station. You fly out on an adventure, you know. You have to find your location to start mining. And you're doing it in a really badass-looking ship. Really, I mean, I, this is the game to me. And I don't want to like harp on this too much, but I think this is the perfect segue into what we're getting next week with Alpha 322. So here, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go straight into it. Um, I don't, I don't want to go so far back in time where I'm, I'm telling you like what to expect from 322. Instead, I want to give you an article that came out yesterday. Uh, which is the quality of life update. And then I want to get into, again, yesterday, there was an update to the patch notes of what the latest version of the PTU's patch is. So let's get into the quality of life. Then we'll get into the PTU updates. And that's a beautiful transition into the structural salvaging inside Star Citizen video. So let's do it. Sharing my screen for those of you on YouTube. Here is the patch watch. So Alpha 322 patch watch quality of life. Hello everyone. In our patch watch series, we highlight upcoming features, improvements, and fixes not presented on the public roadmap. And this time as we approach the release of Star Citizen Alpha 322, we're diving into upcoming quality of life improvements. As always, thanks for your feedback that made any of these possible. We'll publish a second patch watch next week focusing on system design, vehicles, and more. So this is a halfway decently strong, long article, so I'll go through it quickly and respond to a few of them. But here we go. Tractor towing UI updates. We have made several UI positional changes to improve readability when using the feature. These include deflection flipped in the SRV cockpit, range bar ease factor, no idea what that hell is, what, what, what that is. Target name above status, force bar fixes, throttle gimbal widgets hidden in turrets, towing UI scale, improved mark feedback for turret orientation, improves perspective on the radar plane, and range bar readability improvements. Happy beaming. So I I, I love it. Um, the only tractor beam I have any experience with is with the C1. A couple episodes ago, I went into like a really awesome story that I had with my brother in game. Uh, but tractor beams, like controlling a ship, and uh, all right, let me back up even more. In salvaging, when you're on the vulture using one joystick to tractor beam control the orientation of your target, right? So you can like manipulate and rotate and move it as you 
scrape and using the other joystick to scrape that that is an amazing experience i cannot put into words i cannot tell you on a podcast how awesome it is to really feel the material the materialization of this game like you actually do feel like you are controlling the ship and moving it with this tractor beam it is so so well done and the fact that they're updating the ui awesome because i'll be honest with you when you first try out tractor beaming if that's even a verb <laughs> um the user interface is a little clunky it is a little confusing it doesn't really help the user or at least it didn't help me so seeing that they're addressing these so early uh, and the progress of tractor beams it's encouraging for me it actually encourages me to want to go back and see what this looks like next week all right fixed npcs falling through stairs and floors in the underground facilities that's always fun for me like i love watching the glitches me and galactica last week talked about it like I think that's freaking hilarious. You go in, your anxiety is really high. Uh, you know, if you're RPing in, in the back of your mind, you're like trying to like peek around corners, even though the AI sucks. Like you're trying to do all these things, but just like turning around the corner and seeing every single target is glitched into the floor of a staircase. You just sit there and watch them. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. Back to the article. Put in further fixes to help resolve wheeled ground vehicles continuously vibrating when stationary in atmosphere. Front end style updates, so updated menu title text, colors and logos, updated button styles and button state changes. Moving on, let's go. Fixed an issue causing entities such as cargo boxes to slide on all ship lifts during animation. Next, procedural weapon recoil and FPS combat balance. Next, full weapon re reworks fire rate changes, force reaction updates. Other changes to weapons include the balancing of sniper rifles to avoid players in heavy armor being one shot. This is all phenomenal quality of life updates. Two more. Adjustments to player health, damage modifiers, and medical uh, to increase time to kill. And then last, FPS damage modifiers. So adjustments to allow for more consistent firefights and times. So I'll stop there with this. Um, I think the point, the reason why I wanted to go through the quality of life is like with these patches, there's so much subsurface, right? Like a lot of people look at historical patches and they, and, and they think the one or two big items. And they're like, man, this game's not developing fast enough. It's not... Um, you know, nothing came out of this last patch. I've heard that quote many, many times. It's the back end stuff that if you have no experience from the industry or no gaming industry experience at all, period, like you miss all of the stuff and the work that's being done on the back end. These quality of life issues, like you're probably not going to log into the game and immediately see all 20 of these and think, oh, badass good work CIG. No, you're going to go in and see the structural salvaging. You're going to see the reclaimer claw and think, okay, 322 was about the reclaimer claw. Oh my God. There's so much more. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much more. Try not to be insulting to CIG, uh, whenever you voice your opinions on Twitter, like do, do the research. Like there's so much coming in 322. Speaking of which, let's go, let's get into the patch notes. Alrighty, um, 
it's it's available to all backers. So let me just go through. I'm not going to read you verbatim. It's available to all backers. It is a database reset. Highlight exclamation mark. It is a database reset. Um, Long-term persistence is enabled. So what that means quickly is if you have something in your inventory, put it into local, back into your inventory. Just do that little boomerang. Boomerang all of your shit. Local to backpack to local or vice versa. Backpack, local, backpack. Just move it because that's going to record it in the LTP. Do it. All right, pledge copy enabled. Don't know what the hell that means. Uh, Starting UEC, you're going to start with 15 million. And again, this is if you're going into the PTU, you're going to start with 15 million UEC. In the testing focus, structural salvage. Well, we're about to watch a video on it. There's additional derelict settlements. Yes, yes, yes. When I get told that there's no exploration loop, I twitch. My eye starts twitching and my body starts shaking. (laughs) There's nothing more fun than stumbling across a derelict settlement and not knowing if there's enemy present or not knowing if there's another human who just wants to PVP. Um, I love the derelict settlements. They are so well done. Inventory, openable cargo containers. Yes, I cannot wait for that. That's gonna be amazing. That's gonna be amazing to put like items into a box and then take that box to a friend and say, here you go, here's a box full of ammunition and and whatnot. It's just more, um, in my opinion, it's more of a uh, realistic exchange. Procedural FPS recoil and FPS weapon balance. We just read about that. Player update for hair. So again, when I think 322, you're gonna get the claw and hair. A lot of people are gonna say that, hey, all we got this patch, claw and hair. But there's so much more than the in-your-face updates. The last one, the mineable balances. Still some known issues, read that on your own time. There's a lot of known issues. It's still in alpha and still in development. We all deal with it in our own way. (laughs) Uh, In this latest patch, uh, feature updates, locations, added star map records for derelict settlements. I had a friend of mine say they can't wait for more orbital markers to be added to uh, Crusader. I wholeheartedly agree and believe in that. Uh, (laughs) Derelict settlements, performance, polish pass, beautiful. Increased Crusader planet comma ray range to encompass all of the planets. And in gameplay, structural salvage, VFX polish pass. So you're getting a lot. 322 is going to be huge and it's going to be the last patch before the end of the year. That is exciting to me. That 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 to me, it's like a really great handoff to get into 2954 or 2024. Cannot wait. We're moving quickly. This is becoming a longer podcast than uh, I thought it was going to. We are going to watch Inside Star Citizen. It is only 12 minutes. And again, if you're listening to podcast, if you are watching on YouTube, find the chapter at YouTube or you can fast forward on podcast for the next 12-ish minutes, maybe a little bit more because we pause and react to it. We're going to be listening and looking into the salvaging loop updates right? that we're going to be expecting to see in the next week. So here's the article blurb, and then we're going to get into YouTube and watch it. So I'm going to share for the article blurb. I'm going to share the screen, and then obviously we will watch the um, the YouTube video together. So here we go. Previously, 
Previously, we shared an early prototype of what the next stage of salvage might look like. On today's Inside Star Citizen, we'll explore updated changes and development since then and what you can expect to experience from structural salvage in Alpha 322. If you decide to fast forward, just know it went from a mechanical claw that ate or munched to a vacuum cleaner. There you go. There's your update. <laughs> but if you wanted to come along for this ride, let's get into the YouTube video and we'll watch it together. Again, 12 minutes, 28 seconds. Let me get this started, then I'll share my screen. All right, so enjoy. Since the last time we talked about Savage. So the last time we talked about it, it was about the prototypes that we were doing with uh, the entities born from the entire piece, so the thousands and thousands of entities. We had to reconsider our approach quite a lot because it was apparent from the prototype that several aspects of it weren't really going to work the way we wanted to. With the demo failing, or basically showing us the limits of our engine, which was the entity count, uh, by showcasing that it takes a really long time to spawn all the entities that would fit the size of an 890 jump. We also had to reconsider some things because we wanted to get this in players' hands as soon as possible. So that means making a few adjustments to the scope. We were asked to come up with a solution by the end of this year, which is Structural Savage. All right, we're doing this a lot. <clears throat> so the video, so I took a picture of this a couple of days ago, posted it on Twitter. Um, on the video you're seeing right now, basically in the vulture, you have your two arms that are sticking straight out in front of you. We're all very familiar with the edges or the tips of those arms having the scraper and the tractor beam. Well, now you've got the, I'm gonna call it munching. It's not munching, I, I get it. Um, but, but now you've got that turned on. And so there's like an electrical field going left to right attached to the left arm and the right arm that is part of this new um, experience, the vacuum cleaning of salvaging. So that's what you're seeing on the screen. We are mouse. And no. Our mission to create the world's best <laughs> I did this really good last time uh, of downloading the video first. No advertisements. Structural salvage is breaking apart various ships in order to break down the pieces into construction material, which then you can sell. So it's just removing stuff from the persistent database. So one of the challenges of developing a live game like Star Citizen is that we have to constantly be weighing up, trying to perfect a feature which could take years, or trying to get something playable in players' hands so that we can start getting feedback from it and learning from it and figuring out how it fits in with the rest of the game. So it was very important for us that we get some version of it out this year. It's not the full version yet, but it's a good first step that allows us to test the feature and close the ships that we already have that are the Vulture and the Reclaimer. The new Vulture gameplay builds on what we already have. The idea is that you'll approach a wreck. We want to encourage you to use the hull scraping first so you don't lose the RMC in the process. Which is higher value per SEU than construction materials. So the Vulture is equipped with a resonance field which allows you to charge up energy on the target. Assuming that it's still in one piece, if you've not already blown it up with guns or missiles or something, you'll have to fracture it first. A fracture field is built up between the arms, but it's also projected outwards. Which will break it down into various parts. 
We wanted to make sure that the residence field wasn't going to create opportunities for griefing, so uh, we've taken the precautions a step further from hull scraping, which requires that the target's shields are off, to structural salvage requiring that the ship's power is entirely off. So it'll be quite hard to use that offensively unless you find a way to disable the target's power plant. And then you switch to the disintegration mode, which then disintegrates those parts and draws them into your salvage ship as construction material. Then into the, the grinder and then into the internal storage, and from there you can then move it out through the filler station into the cargo grid. The internal storage is one of the great additions we've made here. What that is, is basically a temporary storage between you gathering the material and you putting the material into cargo boxes. You have more space inside of your ship, so when you now go back to the filler stations, instead of the material just being stored in the filler station, you now draw from this pool of internal storage. That is slightly bigger than uh, the actual cargo capacity of the Vulture and the Reclaimer, so you can basically fill up your ship first. While it is still filling, while it is partly full, or when it is full, you have someone else or yourself go down to the filler station and basically convert everything or all the resources that you have inside the, the internal storage into the cargo boxes. The boxes come out automatically, so they deplete the internal storage and you will be able to move those boxes around on the cargo grid which does really help with the player experience of the Vulture. A lot of people were saying was problematic because there was a lot of getting up from the seat, going back, and then going back to the pilot seat again. So uh, this... That is a huge, huge quality of life. So less time walking between the pilot seat, down the ladder, to the garage, moving the boxes around. That is a game changer for the salvaging loop. This is an improvement there. Once you've essentially got all of the stuff out of the filler stations, you'll be able to fly them somewhere and sell them. The Reclaimer gameplay is very similar to that of the Vulture, except that it's all done by the claw operator, who is the co-pilot seat. You may notice that the claw of the Reclaimer will look different. I think the art team did a really good job there. So we got the request to start looking at the structural salvage feature support. You know, the feature team reached out to us and explained to us what they wanted to do and, and how it was all going to work. And obviously that means that from our point of view, there's a few things we needed to do. It's always had this kind of great big claw underneath it, you know, underslung under the cab. And now was the time that we were going to look at it and kind of make that nice kind of feature of the ship actually function. Now we have the gameplay defined and redesigned or revisualize the claw. We didn't want to just kind of start from scratch. We wanted to take the essence of the original, but rework it to a way that now made sense with how the actual feature works as a whole. One of the things we wanted to do was make sure that the claw was in the player view when you were sat in the, um, the operator seat. And because of that, we tried a few different options out with the claw kind of like facing forward originally, and then we kind of had it facing up. We wanted to have the hand of the claws actually upward facing so that we have it easier accessible by the tractor beam gunners on the reclaimer so they can feed into the, the hand. But we realized with the updated position that is more forward facing, it makes more sense because we at navigate that the, the hand is below it. And with the tractor beam, it still works. You will no doubt have noticed that we're no longer calling this feature munching, and that's because we just didn't have the bandwidth to support an actual physical munching action of the claw. 
On the original, it was like a claw that would rip things apart. Now the feature isn't working like that. So now it acts as the field emitter for the resonance and disintegration field. You can still start with hull scraping, and we highly encourage you to, to actually do that so that you get the, the RMC, which we will increase in value. So it will be worth your time to actually do the extra step. And claw will activate the resonance field or fracture field of the claw. And the claw operator then needs to communicate with the pilot to bring the claw into the position of the target that you want to fracture. Once the target is in the fracture field of the claw, the claw operator will press a button, a timer will run down, and the ship that is affected by it will break into pieces. Currently, you're not able to move the claw around, but the remote turrets do have tractor beams on them. Not only you can hold the objects or rotate the objects with the tractor beams, you can now also pull the objects into the resonance field or into the disintegration field. The idea is that you use the tractor beams to grab any drifting pieces and move them into the field. And the next step then is actually converting those pieces that you just created into the resources that you want to gather. And for that, the claw operator will switch into the disintegration mode. Again, you press a button, the ship is basically heated up and then converted into a material. We needed a way of getting, collecting all that material. And that's where we decided to take some inspiration from what we did on the, the Vulture. Between these kind of big emitters, we were still sucking in all this material and that material was then being processed and ground up and kind of sent down to the main ship itself. And then directly moved into the internal storage of the Reclaimer. The filler stations in the Reclaimer have been changed as well because the Reclaimer is such a big ship and having it just one SU containers for like 360 SU Thank God. was... <laughs> Thank God. Laborious. To that, uh, we also allow you to uh, create bigger boxes now on the Reclaimer. So it's not only the one SU boxes that you currently have, but it's one, two. We don't have four, but we have eight and 16. Which then you can go about stacking to your heart's content. We really wanted to reduce the amount of back and forth that you have to do. And we think it's a, it's a good solution. Thank you, CIG. No, not another commercial. I hate this. <laughs> All right, note to self. One of the distinctions with the Reclaimer, though, is that it can break apart basically any size target, whereas the Vulture is limited to uh, you know, only up to a certain size of ship. So currently, anything above, I think it's a Star Runner, can't be fractured by the Vulture, which is something you would need the Reclaimer to fracture. So if you can find one of these big wrecks, obviously there's a lot of material to be gained from this, which means obviously more SCU to be sold at the end, which is vastly more profit. We like to think that it would be more profitable to do this than the Vulture, but obviously the Vulture is still very much convenient if you're a single player who goes around doing single player salvage. We're still very interested in enhancing the destruction side of structural salvage, more similar to what was originally conceptualized with munching, but we're going to have to wait for Maelstrom to be more fully realized before we can start experimenting with that. So we've done a few things to improve the quality of life of salvage in general. First of all, the Vulture has some interesting features that you can control each of its little salvage arms independently so that you can hold onto a target with a tractor beam. Some of the elements that you will have in front of you, the sum of all the, 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 the pieces that you will have in front of you, 
will be too much for your cargo hold. So what you shouldn't do in that time is actually trigger the disintegration because every material inside that field will be disintegrated. The material will be lost that way. This is where the tractor beams come in place because you can move out those objects that would make your internal storage overspill. So you, you get this nice little gameplay of, yeah, I, I actually pick what I want to grab. We also already in slight update to the crafting that we have in there. So now that we have two materials, we adjusted the, the crafting costs in the, in the filler station. So they are now more realistic, so they are not punishingly expensive anymore. For the future, it will be even more meaningful because then like the material composition will be different. So it's not only construction materials, but it's specific to the parts that you have there. But that is for the far future, so it's not for now. One of the, the most prominent quality of life features is the changes to the filler station on both the Vulture and the Reclaimer. They now have the option to set the filler station to auto-eject mode, where it will just repeatedly eject the last selected crate, which lets you rapidly unload the internal storage into cargo boxes as long as you're quick enough at putting them on the cargo grid. Releasing Structural Salvage in 3.22 will give players an opportunity to play it and start giving us feedback on how we can continue to build on it for the future. Salvage, like its industrial profession cousins mining and cargo, is an iteratively developed feature that gets its next evolution in the upcoming Alpha 322. And if we've learned anything this week, it's that the path is almost never a straight line. I'm serious. Torsten has been on Spectrum all week providing even newer details than what was available when we filmed. You're gonna wanna check that out. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. Thanks for letting us share the process of game development with you. We'll see you all here next week. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Um, yeah, so everything I said obviously was was uh, teased or discussed in that video. Um, it's just phenomenal. And, and then it even like hints at or gets at like the crafting loop as well. That's gonna be fun. Like it's already coming to fruition. This, the last year, we have seen so many amazing amazing additions to star citizen and you can kind of start seeing and i'm sure there's older more crustier content creators who have said this and thought this before <laughs> but you can almost see the silver lining you can almost see that light at the end of the tunnel where yeah i i do think i know for a fact squadron 42 is coming out next year um around this time <laughs> you can see it coming down the pipeline you can see pyro coming out next year um and actually trusting that it that it that it could or that it would all right we've called this episode luminalia and it's time to get into luminalia first we're going to discuss the lore behind it um why we have it and, and then we translate that into last year's experience uh, some fun stories there and we'll predict what to expect from this week when it drops here probably the next couple of days so here we go luminalia i'm going to share my screen for everybody on youtube but essentially this is the galactopedia update that dropped maybe three weeks ago maybe two weeks ago excuse me two weeks ago so let's go here we go luminalia Luminalia is a holiday celebrated by both Banu and humans annually on December 22nd. It originated as the irregularly held Banu festival Sikti Afenga 
or the Glow Festival, marked by the lighting of ceremonial lamps that stay lit until their fuel is consumed. About 34,000 beats are two standard Earth days. While the lamps are burning, all Banu, no matter where they are, are considered one Suli. They invite friends, business associates, and passing strangers into their Sulis and give their guests a gift. In Banu culture, this is so that they will always have something that they could sell. All attendees are expected to provide food, drinks, and or party favors in return. And if they can't, the host will often have those items available for purchase. Humans in the Davian system began to participate in the festival with Banu shortly after the Banu Human Interstellar Peace and Trade Accord in 2438. Today, Banu and humans commemorate Luminalia with gift exchanges, present hunts, or present hunts, <laughs> glowing lights, food and drink, limited time discounts, decorations in green and red, and gatherings of family, friends, business associates, and acquaintances. History Although its origins are unknown due to the Banu practice of not keeping historical records, Sikdi Afenga has existed at least as long as the Banu Protectorate has had contact with other civilizations. In standard Earth year 1927, a group of Xi'an diplomats participated in a planet-wide celebration of the festival on Trees 1. Initially, they're solely to observe Banu culture, they were surprised to see Banu suddenly hang colorful lanterns, fill them with oil, and light them. When asked what was happening, the Banu explained that it was time for Sikdi Fenga and invited the diplomats to join in the festivities. At first, they declined, but ultimately relented after repeated requests. They were then laden with gifts in exchange for samples of Xi'an cuisine, which was met with great enthusiasm from the gastronomically curious Banu. Additionally, the diplomats witnessed multiple members of two fiercely competitive religious Sulis cheerfully exchange presents with one another. They found this especially intriguing. One diplomat wrote in his report to the emperor, a curiously convivial spirit, convivial, convivial spirit, has arisen where there was once inter-house rivalry. Gifts passed freely from hand to hand, evidently without malice, even between sworn enemies. Another historically significant Sikdiafenga was held in standard Earth year 2441 when the members of a ship repair Soli that had been doing business on Cestilus Davian II in the United Nations of Earth lit their ceremonial lamps and invited humans to come and celebrate with them. In contrast to the cautious Xi'an diplomats, humans did not need to be asked twice. For as long as the lanterns burned, humans were given gifts if they contributed food drinks, or other items to the celebration. If guests didn't have any items to provide, nearby merchants from other Sulis conveniently had sell, uh, some for sale at a holiday discount. As more and more humans joined throughout the night, the party eventually grew large enough that it attracted the attention of a local news crew. The resulting story of this raucous celebration involving humans and their then-new interstellar neighbors became one of the year's most played clips. By the time the next Sikdia Fenga occurred in December 2445, Banu presence on Davian had increased enough that artisans and small business owners located near Sulis noticed a significant boost in sales when festivities began. 
This success was enough to convince them to organize a night market, of a night market event centered around the fest, uh, the festival the following year. Although this did not coincide with an actual Sikhi Afanga, enough humans in Banu participated in the market that Davian merchants were satisfied with their profits and began to hold Banu holiday events every December. Solis began, or soon began, to light their lamps at the same time as these events to attract business of their own, and humans started throwing private gatherings as an excuse to get together with family and friends. By the dawn of the 26th century, a human Banu hybrid version of the Sikhi Afenga, dubbed Luminalia by the press, had become an annual tradition on Davian. As Luminalia increased in popularity, it spread to neighboring systems with less Banu influence and further changed from its original form. Major human-owned corporations started to mass-market special oil lamps and items for hosts to give their guests, and for guests to bring their own hosts, lessening the importance of food to the holiday. Other human merchants modified the traditional gift sharing by hiding empty gift wrapped packages that could be returned unopened in exchange for a surprise like a few credits or a small toy. The increased foot traffic into their stores increased holiday sales and became a tradition in its own right. A popular ad campaign featuring a Banu excited to host a celebration with their human friends used the colors green and red to represent Luminalia indelibly associating them with a holiday in the public consciousness. By the mid-26th century, Luminalia celebrations had become so prevalent throughout the UEE that it was officially added to the human calendar in standard Earth year 2557. So what is Luminalia in the game? So that's the lore, that's the backstory, that's uh, the story of humans and the Banu and evidently Xion. Um, that that was based around like economic practices <laughs> it wasn't like gift giving it was so that they had items to sell for commerce so again the banu very commerce uh oriented like that is the history of the banu that's the lore of the banu but how does this translate into what you and i see in the game well, this is a, a great time for CIG to enter in a December holiday event. So some of us, Christmas, Diwali, um, this is the December holiday event. And it's 12 days, at least last year, it was 12 days. And it's this idea of like an advent calendar where each day there's a gift that's being given. Uh, and of course, like any other CIG event, there are other external things happening, screenshot contests uh, and other competitions, if you will. So what I wanted to do was showcase last year's 2952. So I'm gonna share my screen for those of you on YouTube, and we're gonna end um, after this like sharing of last year's experience. So 2952, it was uh, December 11th to December 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but basically uh, an entire you know two weeks worth of ships to fly, paints to give, uh, FPS items to receive. It, it was it was a really fine event, and like most really really good MMOs, um, I know this is a space sim like MMO. Don't put that in my comments. 
Um, but like most other MMOs, the uh, developers changed some of the areas around Stanton. And so New Babbage is a great example. So New Babbage on Microtech, um, you can actually fly to a lesser known location. Uh, essentially, if you follow the light rail from the space station to the city of New Babbage, you can actually find what you're seeing on my screen right now. It's like a hidden cove of what I'm going to call Christmas trees and presents and snowmen. It's a great, great, great opportunity to have um, screenshots, right? So take your org, go get some good pictures there. Uh, but let's let's get into last year's 2952. All right. The first is what is Luminalia. We just covered the um, uh, the whole Galactopedia update there, so we're not going to read that. New adventures. So here we go. Discount starter packs. Kick off the festive season with a new uh, Star Citizen adventure by picking up a discounted starter pack now. Uh, okay, so these are usually with like new paints. Um, they're obviously at a discounted price. They might come with like extra insurance, but just like any other event, you're gonna get like access to different starter packs and it might have the Luminalia 2953 paint. You never know. Right here's your 12 days of gifts. Again, every single day, uh, this converted into or like that. Uh, the one day turned into rifles and weaponry, or uh, a shirt or a cap. Uh, like I said, paint for ships, weaponry. I'm trying to give it a little like uh, FPS items for your hangar. Right there was like some decorations and things you could put on uh, in your non-existent hangar. <laughs> Yet. Hopefully that's coming soon. Um, they threw gifts around Stanton for you to go and find. So directly from the, the quote here, Luminalia brings with it the tradition of exchanging gifts, but those presents aren't going to deliver themselves. Stanton's traders invite you to look for hidden gift boxes around every landing zone. Okay, so that was really cool. But there was also like, as you're walking around space stations, you would find these little green boxes uh, kind of hidden around um, Either, either occupied areas like behind carts and behind uh, little storefronts or they were hidden behind, you know, places you wouldn't think like behind boxes or uh, like hidden behind, um, you know, hidden areas like a crate or a, a grate off of a wall. You'd find it under that grate. Uh, so it was really kind of fun, like finding boxes. I found way too many. And here's actually a very funny picture of them putting those boxes or Christmas boxes, sorry, presents, whatever you want to call them, in the back of a ship. <laughs> uh, so collect them and make some funny screenshots there. But uh, here we go. So in the spirit of the season, you can participate in missions to deliver bow adorned packages throughout the system for rewards much better than just your name on the nice list. Uh, so yeah, so there's delivery missions in game that you can accept and you can deliver presents. Like I think there was one I did where like some father wanted to deliver a present to their son and so there's like this like a really awesome uh, story behind it if you wanted to get into that role play screenshot contests right um then outside of the game they've been doing this a lot more recently but outside of the game like creating um holiday cards and then submitting those uh, to like spectrum or even on twitter if you hashtagged uh, a certain a certain label 
uh, but a contest to see who can create the most or who's like the best content creator, right? As the standard Earth year draws to an end, it's almost time to gather your friends and family and light the ceremonial lamps, bonding humans alike, uh, coming together to celebrate. But we're giving you the chance to spread some holiday cheer early with festive greeting cards and win some shiny prizes uh, while doing so. So really awesome there. I guarantee you just like the VIP pass you created for IAE, more than likely there's going to be a holiday card creation, you know, for you to go in. And just like any other event, there's going to be a referral bonus, or at least there was in 2952. Uh, Here you can see the Argo MPUV right and if you're interested in using my referral code during this time hold off until this this event starts and you can find my referral code in the notes of each episode and on youtube i'm not going to say it here on the podcast <laughs> so i would appreciate that but that's that's it guys that is the luminalia from last year i guarantee you i'm not gonna say copy and paste i think that has like a bad connotation um, but you can expect the same you can expect the same going into this next week um, and I'm looking forward to doing this with every single one of you, especially if you're in sole provision. We're going to be doing a lot of these events together, uh, more than likely trying to take an org shot <laughs> at that location I aforementioned. Um, but this is just a really great time, and it's a it's a quiet time to end out the year and to start 2024 or 2954 uh, on a new foot, especially with patch 322 that's coming out. Well, that's it for episode 36 in Luminalia. We'll be back in a couple of days. Next Thursday, we'll be doing episode 37, more than likely in the heat of Luminalia, in the heat of patch 322. Uh, we'll probably call it something funny like Muncher because uh, it's, it's going to be about salvaging Hair Muncher. Hair Muncher because of the hair update? Okay, I'm done. I'm done ideating live on podcast. I hope this finds everybody well. If you're interested in following our socials, it's any platform, forward slash BTV underscore cast. Join our in-game organization called Soul Provision at robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. It's also our Discord join our discord there's some massive massive growth happening there and some great dialogue um love for you to become part of the conversation there speaking of become part of the conversation by emailing us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com or participating in our spotify q a and polls i hope this finds everybody well and safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse take care everybody